This text gives us the opportunity to consider the faithful few who lingered long enough to deal with the details of the aftermath of Jesus' crucifixion. We talk a lot about the cross and we talk a lot about him getting up out of the grave, but we don't focus so much on the fact that after he died, someone had to deal with his body. Someone had to clean the body. Someone had to prepare the body for burial. And there are many families who know what this struggle is like because when you lose a loved one, it seems like everybody calls to offer their condolences. Seems like a lot of people come to the funeral. But there's very few who stick around and help you deal with the details and the aftermath when you lose someone. As it is the case for many families today, so it was the case for Jesus. His disciples, his closest crew, abandoned him. He had ministered to the masses, but they all disappeared. Jesus fed 5,000 people with his hand. But when he died, there were only five people left to deal with the remains of Jesus Christ. Let's look at their names. Number one, you have Joseph of Arimathea, who used his political connections and sway to get Jesus' body. And he also provided the tomb. Then you have Nicodemus, who went and bought 75 pounds of precious spices and perfumed oils to cover the body of Jesus with. Now, I said that and you heard it. It may not have made a huge impact. But 75 pounds of perfume and oil and spices was an extravagant amount to cover a dead body with. To give you a point of reference, the year before Jesus died, the emperor in the east died. And when they buried him, they buried him with 10 pounds of spices and perfumes and oils which caused the country to protest and get enraged because it was such a large, extravagant amount. But Nicodemus went and bought 75 pounds of perfume, spices, and precious oil. I mean, we're in 2020. Even today, we do not measure perfume and cologne in pounds. We measure it in ounces. You ain't never seen 75 pounds of whatever your perfume is. You ain't never seen 75 pounds of whatever your cologne is. It was an extravagant offering. One last offering that he wanted to pour out on Jesus Christ to honor him. But the painstaking task of cleaning the body, wiping all of the blood off after the gruesome crucifixion, anointing the body with the perfume and the spices, and then wrapping it, preparing it for burial, that responsibility fell to three women. They worked as fast as they could, but they ran out of time with the job left undone. And they would have to wait till after the Sabbath to finish. Verse 1 says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. The very early there conveys their commitment to Jesus Christ. Even though their teacher, their rabbi was dead, they could have slept in, but they got up as early as possible to rush to the tomb to finish the job they had started. They were passionate about it. The women's names were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. 
these women are not strangers to the scripture. We've seen them before. Mary Magdalene, called Magdalene because she was from the island of Magdala, the island of the brothels and the prostitutes. The scripture always refers to her as Mary Magdalene because it reminds us of the place where Jesus delivered her. The scripture says she was possessed by seven devils and the darkness and the oppression of her life was so intense she almost committed suicide. But she had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus delivered her from the darkness she was going through and he cast the devils out. And the moment she got delivered, she forsook everything else in her life and she started following Jesus. She followed him all the way to the cross and still she refused to leave. When the disciples, the big men fled and hid for their lives, she was still standing there. Because there's some people that when God delivers you out of gross darkness, you can't ever forget where he's brought you from. There's a lot of us out here in this parking lot this morning. The reason we came today is we were in some dark situations, in a dark mental place, in a dark emotional place, in a dark health condition. But Jesus delivered us. And when he delivers you from something that's so dark, it almost kills you. You don't have to struggle to remember the Lord. You don't have to struggle to worship the Lord and thank the Lord. You don't have to struggle. All you have to do is think back where you were when he found you, and it will make you pursue God. The Bible says the next woman was Joanna. The scripture records that it was Joanna's son who was the centurion servant who was laying at the point of death. You remember the story. The centurion comes to Jesus and he says, my servant is laying at the point of death. And and they, Jesus said, I'll, I'll come to your house and heal him. And he said, there's no need. He said, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. But I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. And I have so much confidence in your authority over death that if you'll just stand where you are and speak the word, I know my servant will be healed. Jesus spoke the word. The boy was healed. And that boy happened to be Joanna's son. Now, there's a lot of amazing things that God has done for me personally. I'm sure there's a lot of amazing things he's done for you personally. But how many know it's one thing for God to heal you? It's another thing for God to touch your child. When your child is in trouble... When there's something wrong with your child that nothing else will fix and you are in desperation as a parent because the doctors can't fix it and you can't fix it. There's a gnawing of the soul that prevents you from eating or from sleeping. There's a gnawing of the soul that robs you of peace. But Jesus healed what no one else could. He healed Joanna's child. And from that point on, she didn't just say thank you and then walk away. From that point on, a deep loyalty was born in her heart toward the Lord. And she followed him everywhere that he went. There's a feeling in her spirit that she owed the Lord. That's why some of us have not stopped worshiping through this pandemic. 
That's why some of us have been doing everything we can in every way available to continue to worship and honor the Lord because some of us have experiences with God and we just feel like in our soul, I owe him. Some of us were in such dark circumstances, helpless situations, and God touched it. Or if he didn't touch us, he touched our children and we just feel like we owe him. I could have stayed home this morning, but I came to worship him. You know why? Because I owe him. I got story after story and time after time and tear after tear stored up. I've got history and experience in the past that lets my heart know I still owe him for what he's done for me. If you feel like I feel about it, you might just raise your hand sitting there in your car and just say, I owe you, Lord, and I thank you for all you've done done for me. I owe you praise even if I'm not having a good day. I owe you praise even if my nation is closed down going through a pandemic. I owe you praise no matter what I'm going through because I remember the time you touched me and the time you blessed me and the time you stood up for me. I owe the Lord. And then number three, there was Mary, the mother of James. She followed Jesus because her son was on the wrong path, James the Lesser. He was with the wrong people, hanging out in the wrong places, doing the wrong thing. And as you see your child begin to start down a negative path, it can be like an arrow to your soul. And she prayed and she cried and she asked God, to help order his steps and align him in the right way. And maybe you know what that's like. Maybe you know what it's like to see your child start slowly going down a negative road. And, and she called out to God and prayed. And then Jesus came. He preached one message. And it turned James' life around. And when she saw her son turn around and follow Jesus, she forsook everything she had. And she gave her life to following the Lord. And she refused to leave him even to to the death. Three women, each with their own motivations and reasons. The only thing they had in common was gratitude. And I've learned something in my years of ministry. You don't have to teach grateful people how to worship God. You don't have to teach grateful people how to praise God. All you have to do is remind them of where they were when God found them and how God blessed them. All you have to do is remind them of the circumstances they were in. And it doesn't matter what setting you put them in, they will praise the Lord. They can be standing at the kitchen counter washing dishes and think about the goodness of God. And they'll start praising God right there around the kitchen sink. Because a grateful person leaks praise. A grateful person just spills out praise because they know what God has done for them. Early in the morning, they get up. They're still looking to serve Jesus. They're still being loyal. They think he's dead, but they're being loyal to a dead man. They're on the way to the tomb to dress his body. They don't want people walking by and smelling the stench of his death. They're seeking still to try to cover him. But when they got to the tomb, something was wrong. Verse 2 says, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they entered and did not find the body of the Lord. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, these were angels, stood beside them. 
In their fright, the women bowed their heads to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? When the angel spoke, you must realize angels are not authorized to speak unless God has sent them with a message. So when this angel is speaking to these women, you have to understand in your mind that heaven is asking earth a question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? This question creates an opportunity for us to consider a flaw in our thinking. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Or in other words, what you're looking for now cannot be found in the tomb of your past. The angel says, he is no longer there. He has risen. In other words, if you try to find God in the last place you laid him, in your past experience, you're not going to see him now because he has moved up higher. He's gone to another level. And in order to see him, you have to elevate your perspective. You're looking too low. God has gone higher. You can't see him because you're looking too low. So many people have called me this week and asked me, I don't feel the presence of the Lord. I don't feel God speaking and moving like he normally does. And I told them, you're looking too low. It's not that God is not there. It's just that his position has shifted. It's not that God is no longer concerned or no longer cares. It's just he's no longer in the last place you left him. He has gone to a higher level. And I want to ask you this morning, could it be that you're looking for the right thing in the wrong place? The angel didn't judge them. He didn't blame them. He didn't chastise them. He just simply told them, you're looking too low. Maybe that's why you're so depressed. You've been looking too low. Maybe that's why you have so much anxiety. Maybe that's why things are so difficult at home. Perhaps it's because you were looking too low. My question was when I was probing the text, if Jesus was gone, why did the angels stay? They didn't have to guard his body. He wasn't there anymore. The angels stayed so that the women would not misinterpret what they were seeing. God will always send his people a word to keep you from misinterpreting what you're seeing. Now, we're seeing a lot right now in our world. We're seeing a lot right now in our city. But God will send a word to make sure you don't misinterpret what you are seeing. What they were seeing was strange. What they were seeing was mysterious. But he wanted them to know this is no reason to fear this is not the end. God has not turned you over to the devil. God has simply shifted to another level, and you won't be able to see him in the last place you left him. In other words, the angel is announcing to them what I want to announce to you. God wants to do something new in your life.
Sometimes, sometimes, when you won't go to the next level on your own, God will put you in circumstances that force your growth. Sometimes when you won't pray on your own, God will force you into a circumstance that gives you so much time at home, you ain't got nothing to do but pray. Sometimes when you won't call out to God on your own, God will allow the enemy to attack and allow fear to rise up and force you to run into the secret place in the shelter of the Most High. Could it be possible that God allowed this to cause you to level up in your faith? Could it be possible that God allowed this to cause you to level up in your prayer life? Could it be possible that God allowed this to give you an opportunity to level up in your closeness with your family? Could it be possible that you were spending too much time in the wrong places with the wrong people? Oh, I only got three cars to honk their horns on that one. I knew that one would go over big. Could it be possible that there was some things that you needed to quarantine from? Could it be possible that there were some habits and some attitudes and some actions and for God's sake some people that you needed to spend about a month or 45 days away from? Could it be possible when you look at this and feel the fear that you're looking at it from the wrong perspective? Could this be God giving you an opportunity to go to the next level and experience a new thing? How do you get people to do what Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 said? How do you get people to forget the past? How do you get people to forget their normal way of doing things? How do you get people to forget their pathologies and their patterns and their day-to-day routines? You have to break it. You have to break the pattern. They say it takes 30 days to break a habit. You have to break the pattern in order to introduce something new. I prophesy over your life in the name of Jesus Christ. What will emerge out of this crisis is God doing new things in your life. New things in your prayer life. New things in your spiritual life, new understanding, new revelation, new elements in your family life, new elements in your financial life, new elements as it relates to your purpose. God gave this opportunity to some of you to cause you to seek him for your purpose. Some of you have been spending your time and your life following dumb things around, not living for any reason other than the things of this world. And God is calling you to your purpose that you were created for. Sometimes God has to turn down the volume on the normalcy of your life so that you can hear him in the quiet places. Sometimes God has to cut off everything else around you and put you in the isolation environment in order for you to be able to sense him and hear him. So the angel says to these women, he's not here. He has risen. He's gone higher. He's gone up. And if you want to see him again, You're going to have to take your face from off the ground. You're going to have to take your face from off the tomb 
and you're going to have to turn your vision upward. I challenge you in the name of Jesus, take your face away from the fear. Your family is going to be covered. Your health is going to be covered. You shall live and not die. Your financial life is going to be covered. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But other than that, other than that, what is this for if not an opportunity to come out of it on a higher level, thinking higher? Some of you hadn't had time to read books in years. This has given you the opportunity to read like you've never read before. There's so many things some of you haven't had an opportunity to do, and this has given you the gift of time and availability to do it. God wants to sharpen your mind, elevate your expectation, take your life to a new level so that you can experience a new thing in your life. It's time for something new. I don't know about you. I don't want to go back to the old. I don't want to go back to the way things were. We're in desperate need of a personal resurrection, a resurrection on the inside, a resurrection to walk in the newness of life like Paul said. And I believe that's what God is giving you. I believe that's the gift he's giving you through this crisis. I believe that's the opportunity he's giving you through this difficulty. I believe that's what he's giving you, an opportunity for a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing in your life. Now it shall spring forth. Behold, I will do a new thing in your family. Now it shall spring forth. Behold, I will do a new thing in your purpose. I'll do a new thing in your vision. I'll do a new thing in your business. I'll do a new thing in your creative ideas. I will do a new thing in your life. And now it'll spring forth. Now listen to me. So many of us are guilty of doing what these women were trying to do. They were trying to go back to the tomb of the past and pour perfume on a stinking situation. Folks, there's some stuff that has been cut off that you have been separated from, and God does not want you to waste any more resources, any more time, and any more energy going back to what has died. I pray that this time in quarantine, that this time of crisis would give you the release to finally break off from those negative attachments from the past, to finally sever and separate yourself from those things that are not like you and are not like God, to finally put some of those habits and some of those childish things away, and to finally make the decision, I'm going to have a personal resurrection. Jesus died and then rose again so that his followers and his believers, they they could rise themselves to walk in the newness of life. So I pray that you would rise in your life in the name of Jesus. I pray you would rise in your family in the name of Jesus. I pray you would rise in your hope and in your faith in the name of Jesus. I pray that your best prayers would be prayed in this season. I pray that your best and most intense devotions and time with God would happen in this season and that as a result of it, you would come out of this brand new in the name of Jesus Christ.
Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I belong to you. I believe you are who the gospel says you are. I believe you died to pay the penalty for my sins. And I received the forgiveness that the cross provided. Today I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sinful ways. I receive your Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me. I believe you rose again on the third day so that I could rise out of my past, out of my guilt, out of my shame, and run out of the tombs of yesterday and level up and come higher as you call me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord one more great praise. If you don't mind singing with me. By his stripes we are healed. By his nail-pierced hands we're free. By his blood we're washed clean. Now we have the victory. If you know it, say it with me. Power. The power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. Lift up your hands if you can. He has won our freedom. Jesus has. I want to give you, every one of you, an opportunity 
as we close our worship service, I want to give you an opportunity to honor the Lord with your tithe and your offering. Or if you're a member of Christian World and you've been hanging with us for the last seven weeks, if you've prepared your resurrection seed, you can prepare that and, and give that now. Our ushers are coming to receive it. If you don't know anything about Resurrection Seed or this is the first time you've heard about it, every year during Easter, we prepare as a church a special offering for Jesus. We try to bring him the very best that we can to honor the day when he gave his best for us. And I would just like to encourage you to get something special to honor the Lord with, something sacrificial, something that costs you something. And we're gonna worship him with that as we exit today. If you're watching me online and you would like to give, you can click the Give Now button in the comments and you can participate in this offering live online. As the ushers begin to serve you, Lord, thank you for every person who still has confidence and faith in you and has the boldness to trust you in their tithe and their offerings, even during this season. I ask, Lord, for heaven to respond over their lives and rain on this seed and bring a supernatural harvest. Lord, you see the prayer requests that they have written down. You see the things that they've given as names to their seed. Lord, I ask that you would bring that harvest back supernaturally. Open up doors for them. Bless them and let miracles begin to break out in their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We honor you with this offering, Lord. We worship you. We didn't just come to worship with our attendance or with our voice. We came to worship you with our sacrifice, that which cost us something. And we thank you for the opportunity to give. It's a blessing to be able to give to you. It's a blessing to be able to give to your house. And Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen. I need you to do me a favor before we leave. If you look at somebody and say, you, no, come on, do it. Look at somebody in another car and say, you, if you or anyone in your family or any one of your coworkers needs food, get them here May the 2nd. We will be keeping people in their cars. They'll be driving through and we'll be placing boxes of food either in their trunk or their back seat. Everybody that comes, we're gonna have several, probably uh, between 50 and 60,000 pounds of food uh, to give away, and we're gonna serve it until there's not an ounce of it left. So please send a text message, put something on Facebook, let the people in your circle and in your life know we will be having food pantry, drive through food pantry, May the 2nd on that Saturday. And we want to serve this community and serve all of your families in any and every way that we can. We speak the blessing of the Lord over you today and the strength of God over you today. We pray that God would meet your needs and that the exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think God would send his strength and his blessing on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.